So, how are you receiving this God Conversation series? Have you engaged with each week's topic like church in person or even online, church at home? Have you connected into a life group for further discussions? My life group have shared great personal stories of hearing God's voice and have wrestled with what the scriptures say on this matter. I found it quite challenging, not just because as a follower of Jesus, I want to know the mind of Christ as it applies to me, but, but also challenging as a church leader who is involved in helping others discern God's voice for themselves. I think it's fair to say that over the course of history, many people, including myself, have not always heard the voice of God accurately. This has led to a range of outcomes from minor personal inconveniences up to major social calamities and has been the cause of wars and terrorism and racism. Trying to get things right, but often getting them wrong, is part of what it means to be human. Even though Christians have the written scriptures, the Bible, to refer to for spiritual guidance and the Holy Spirit to help us discern our actions, we still wrestle with how to live. We have all at some time been guilty of being overly focused on doing things right according to the Bible and therefore have not done the right thing according to the way of love. So how do we discern the voice of God and apply it to our own real life circumstances? This is not a modern question, it's as old as faith itself. To work this through, let's use a biblical example from the life of the Apostle Peter. Peter, previously called Simon, was a disciple whose Jesus commissioned to build my church, the spiritual body of believers, not the bricks and mortar kind. The trouble was, no one really knew what church was, so Peter prayed for guidance. The book of Acts in around chapter 10 records Peter was given a vision by God and to a devout Jew like Peter, it was a very disturbing scene. The heavens opened and what looked like a large sheet came down, laden with all kinds of creatures, reptiles, birds, four-footed animals. And Peter saw that these animals were considered unclean by the Jews, not kosher, and forbidden as food. And then to his astonishment, he heard the voice of God say, get up, kill and eat. His response was immediate. He said, no. Yet the same vision occurred three times. To say Peter was confused is an understatement. I mean, how could a voice from heaven tell him to break the laws of God? While he was wrestling with this, someone knocked on his door. It was a Roman soldier and his servants. Uh, they were Gentiles or non-Jewish people. The Jews thought Gentiles unworthy to talk to and definitely not to invite into your home. To make things worse, they invited Peter to their master Cornelius's home. Cornelius was a Roman centurion in the town of Caesarea. Again, this is forbidden. But against all tradition, established over thousands of years, Peter obeyed the Holy Spirit prompting and went with them. He preached the good news of Jesus to them, and as he did, 
the Spirit fell on them as it had on the Jews on the day of Pentecost. Well, the Church of Jesus was born, and it included people who believed in Jesus from everywhere. Gentiles too, not just Jews, to whom the message of God was originally given. Today, we celebrate this event as a signature moment for the Christian faith. But I want you to think for a minute about the internal story. How, against all tradition and even his own scriptures, did Peter know his vision was from God? How did he know he had it right? How did he have the confidence to claim divine origins for his actions? Now, as we learned in this series, the accurate discernment of spiritual experiences is crucial to our own discipleship and also for the safety of our churches. So what criteria can we see in this biblical story that we can apply to test our own spiritual experiences? How can we be more likely to discern things rightly and not get them wrong? Well, I think there's two things that we can learn from this story. The first one is, you know, would Jesus say this? And secondly, is there other confirmation? First, would Jesus say this? While Jesus hadn't left specific instructions about how to start his church, Jesus did say the Holy Spirit would remind the disciples of what Jesus had already established. In John 14, Jesus said to them, the helper the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and make you remember all that I have told you. He also told them the Holy Spirit would speak to them about things to come. In John 16, Jesus says, When the Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but will speak of what he hears and will tell you of things to come. Jesus was clear. As his continuing voice, the Holy Spirit would speak in line with what he had already said and be consistent with the nature of God when speaking of future things. So would Jesus say that the gospel was for Gentiles or just for Jews? His ministry came initially to the Jews. But Jesus himself also met and ate with Gentiles. He healed them, cast out demons among them, showed divine love towards them, and significantly mentioned them in his parting words. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So, in my opinion, yes, Jesus would say this, and he did say this. Even more reassuringly, we not only have his words, but we have his ways. And Peter had spent three years in close communion with Jesus and saw firsthand that what Jesus said was consistent with how he lived. As the image of the invisible God, Jesus alone provides us with a vivid and tangible example of God's heart for the world. Jesus also tells us that the fruit or evidence of the Holy Spirit should guide us. 
So does the inspiration we are discerning line up with the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. As for Peter, our first test of authenticity for contemporary experiences that lay claim to be inspired by God must be consistent with the life and teaching of Jesus. So, second, is there other confirmation? In Peter's story, we see evidence of other people God used to confirm the vision. At the same time God was showing Peter the vision, he was also speaking to Cornelius, a Roman centurion. In Acts 11, Peter said, At that very moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where I was staying. It was in Joppa. The Spirit told me to go with them without hesitation. These fellow believers from Joppa accompanied me to Caesarea, and we all went into the house of Cornelius. He told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send someone to Joppa for a man whose full name is Simon Peter. He will speak words to you by which you and all your family will be saved. To be clear, God confirmed the vision to Peter by also speaking to Cornelius. Now, in the Bible, God had done this at other times too, notably in the story of Mary and Elizabeth, where God spoke to Elizabeth to confirm what the angel had said to Jesus' mother at an earlier time. In Luke 1, we read, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby moved within her. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and said in a loud voice, You, Mary, are the most blessed of all women. And blessed is the child you bear. Today, God often speaks to other spirit-filled believers who can bear witness to the voice of God in their lives and in our lives. And we are also blessed to have the church to help us discern God's voice. So good job, Peter, doing that. Peter also shared with church leaders about his vision and about the amazing results and salvations God was performing among the Gentiles, and he asked for their wisdom. In response to Peter, they sent a message affirming Peter's new ministry. In Acts 15, it says in part, It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the basic requirements of the faith. We need the wisdom of other believers to help us discern God's voice to us. This can be life group leaders, pastors, or other mature Christians, people who know us well, who are familiar with our character and history, and who can bear witness to the voice of God in the lives of others. So here's the thing. We are by God's design relational creatures. He desires relationship with us not for us just to be rule keepers. The more we seek relationship with God, the more we'll know his voice. There may be times when God chooses not to speak. Maybe the right time will come later. 
But if we position our hearts to relate to Jesus every day and don't draw back from worship when circumstances go wrong or we feel our needs are not being met, the reward will be a strong relationship in which we know and hear his voice. Well, let me finish with this quote from author Tanya Harris, whose book we've been following in this series, God Conversations. She says, When we partner with God, servanthood ends and friendship begins. It's a relationship motivated by love rather than fear and control. Sometimes God speaks. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he says, this is what I want you to do. Other times he says, what do you want to do? We do what God says because we are submitted already to his will in love. With his supernatural power and our natural abilities, together we bring God's kingdom from heaven to earth. Hearing God's voice is the place where our convictions meet reality and where intangibles confront impossibilities. This is faith, and the kingdom of heaven requires it.